Well, good morning, Bridge fam. My name is Marshall Peterson, and I'm a pastor here at the Bridge, and I'm so pumped to be together with you this morning. I know it's the highlight of my week to see you joining, to see you commenting, so don't let this Sunday be any different. Let us know who you're watching with, where you're watching from. I'm currently uh, at our Sugarland campus, and I'm here with my wife, my daughter, my friend Chris and Jeremy. We're here putting this together, and uh, we're excited to see uh, what we're going to do today. Now, let me ask you a question before we get going. How you doing? How are you doing? Now, I want you to tell me how you're doing by hitting an emoji on the video. Give us a thumbs up if you're just, you know, you're here. Maybe it's a heart because you're really excited to be here. But I want to give you permission to hit the mad face today because we're all going through some stuff. And in fact, we started this series last week called Getting Through What You're Going Through. And Kenny Dean was here. If you missed it, go to thebridge.me to check that out because he told us about Mary and Martha and Lazarus and uh, how God loves me. Now that's a comforting statement because 2020 has probably been the most challenging year that I've ever encountered. Not just on a global level, a national level, or even a local level, but on a personal level. And I'm sure a lot of you can relate to that. This has just been a challenging year. And when you go through a challenging season, we all kind of have this reaction. And this reaction can kind of rule over our lives, and that's called fear. Now, we all encounter fear. And before we get into it this morning, I want to walk you through a couple different phobias because I'm fascinated with phobias and how people have legit reactions when they're put in certain situations. So let us know if you relate to any of these phobias. Here's the first one. Aerophobia. Anybody afraid of fear of flying? You, you don't want to get on an airplane? Now, I don't mind getting on a plane. I just don't like heights. I can do airplanes. I can do roller coasters. I just, I can't be up high. I'm, and I'm talking like top of the ladder high. That's, that's terrifying to me. Okay, what about this next one? Claustrophobia. You don't like being in closed spaces, okay? Now, I think we don't like being in closed spaces with other people in this you know, season of life. But I mean, who's not afraid of being buried alive in a box? I know I took it to another level, but I mean, it's for real. Okay, here's the next one. Habibophobia, fear of losing your hair. Now, listen, this is very personal to me because I haven't gotten a haircut in two months and I'm still seeing a lot of scalp. So this fear is settling into my life of I'm going to lose this mop at some point in my life and I'm not even in my 40s yet. So prison break look, here we go. All right, here's the next one. Chorophobia. Now, fear of clowns, I'm not talking about Pennywise, because if you're not afraid of Pennywise, go see a doctor, you're crazy. I'm talking about your normal circus clowns, your birthday clowns. You see them and you just get anxiety. I know seeing these three words, my great friend Joel Owens, is uh, he's anxious right now because he's just thinking about all the clowns that are probably outside his house right now. Love you, buddy. Here's the next one. Uh, nomophobia. All right, this is the fear of being without mobile phone coverage. This is very real in all of our lives as we're quarantined, we're shelter in home. What are we gonna do without our cell phones? Talk to each other? Go outside and do physical activity? No, we need our cell phones, okay? This is where we're at. This is the season of life that we're in right now. But the fear that I wanna talk about today, I wanna get into and, and talk about because it's very real in our lives right now, is chronophobia, fear of the future. Fear of the future. No matter how confident, brave, or bold you are, this fear has probably creeped into your life at some point in time, whether it was your finances, your marriage, your job, at some point. Why is this a real fear? Because it's unknown. It just brings uncertainty. And we live in a society that thrives on certainty. We like to know what's going on, and we like it in the palm of our hands. And we're just in a season right now where we don't know. We don't know what's going to happen. We don't know what the future holds. And I know that might have given you a little bit of anxiety, but you need to know we're going to leave today with hope 
and encouragement. So don't worry. Now, when we go through this fear, we have different reactions. Some of us try to, to regain control because if things are uncertain, things are out of control. We try to regain control. And so we might make some, some quick decisions that aren't good at all. And then we have to live with regret and consequences. Some of us react with anger. We just get mad and we get bitter at things and we start just, you know, spouting off words and we say things that might feel good in the moment, but now we can't take them back and they've kind of ruined relationships. Some of us like to numb the uncertainty. And so we see everything that's going on and all we want to do is take a nap or we want to drink a little bit or we want to eat our feelings or we, you know, just dive into this world of addiction. Now, some of us, a lot of us watching today, will also turn up and look at God and say, why? God, why are you allowing this to happen? Why are you allowing this virus to happen? Why did you allow my marriage to fall apart? Why did you allow me to lose my job? Why, 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 God? So today, as we're in this, this, this state of fear and we're asking questions, why? I want to share a story with you about a man who encountered a crisis, who encountered an uncertain future and how his response got him through that. And how if we apply his response, we will not only get through this crisis, we'll get through the next crisis, and we'll see God in midst of the darkness in a way that we never thought possible. Now, the guy that we're talking about today, his name was Jehoshaphat. Everybody say Jehoshaphat. There it is, Jehoshaphat. Now, um, I know people like to name their kids after people in the Bible. You don't see a lot of Jehoshaphats running around, do you? No, you got your Daniels and your Davids and the occasional Jesus, but Jehoshaphat, Jehoshaphat, you don't see that. Why? It's a funny name. It's weird. It's kind of hard to say. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to shorten it from time to time, and we're going to call him Japhat. All right, so Japhat was a king in, uh, in Judah. At the time he was king, Israel was divided into two kingdoms. You have Israel, the northern kingdom, and Judah, the southern kingdom, and that's where he reigned. And where we find his story is in 2 Chronicles, and where we see in 2 Chronicles 19 is that he's kind of going around the nation to all the small towns, bringing people back to the Lord. He's like going on this preaching tour, and he's, people are turning from their evil ways. They're turning back to the Lord, and this is where we see him in chapter 19. The problem comes in in chapter 20, because of course it's 20. The year is 2020. It's chapter 20. It seems to be the number that represents all things chaos, all things bad happening at one time. But this is where we see Jehoshaphat's story begin. So y'all look at what is going on in verse 1. After this, remember he went around preaching, the Moabites, the Ammonites, and some of the Minuites came to wage war against Jehoshaphat. So you've got this spiritual revival, revolution going on, and all of a sudden these, all these surrounding nations want to come in and wipe your little kingdom off the face of the planet. Of course, that's going to cause some fear, because look, look how he responds. Some people came and told Japhat, a vast army is coming against you from Edom, from the other side of the Dead Sea. It is already in Hazazan Tamar, that is, in Gedi, alarmed. That's, that's his response. His first response was fear. He was, it, it shook Jehoshaphat, okay? He's hearing this, this, this army is coming to get him, and his first reaction is fear. His first reaction is fear. And he had just kind of gone in this, this crusade of preaching, and his first response is fear. And I know all of us, at some point, no matter where we are in our journey with God, our season of life, we experience fear in the face of crisis, whether it's with, your, with the pandemic, whether it's with your marriage, your finances, your job, whatever that is. 
And so what I want to do today is I want to introduce some things to get us through what we're going through. And not to just get us through what we're going through, but to actually thrive in the face of fear. And I'm going to give you four of them, so I want you to write them down, type them down, text them to your small group, whatever you need to do, because these steps, this response in the face of fear is going to help us thrive and see God in an incredible, incredible way. All right, so the first one is this. Turn to God for help. Okay, turn to God for help. Look what Jehoshaphat does. He was afraid. That was his first response. That was his natural response. And turned his attention to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast all throughout Judah. He turned his attention to the Lord. Now, this is a big deal because you've got this army coming, coming to annihilate you. And what's the first thing that he does? He turns his attention to God. He turns away from the problem that's marching toward him, and he turns to God. And I have to ask you, what do you turn to in the midst of crisis? Because Japhat turned to God. He didn't turn to his generals. He didn't turn to his armies to come up with some sort of battle plan. He didn't turn to Twitter. He didn't turn to the news. He didn't turn to some person. He didn't turn to a bottle. He turned to God. And it says that he proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. That means that he's like, people, stop eating. Put down your hummus, put down your pita bread, and focus on God. I want you to pay attention because God has to do something. In the midst of this crisis, we are looking and focusing on God, which leads us to our second action point to get us through what we're going through. Focus on God, not the problem. Now, why is this a big deal? Because when you focus on God, you're, you're seeing the size of God. You see the character of God. You see the sovereignty of God. And when you compare whatever you're going through to the God who created the universe, who spoke it into existence, your problem becomes a little bit smaller. Your problem becomes a little less scary. And now you're focused on God. And look at Japheth, how he starts this prayer. He's got everybody assembled and he's kind of praying out loud, just reminding people of the God that he's now focused on. He said, O Lord, the God of our fathers, are you not God of the heavens? And are you not ruler over all kingdoms in the na of the nations? Power and might are in your hand so that no one can stand against you. You see, he's, he's telling them the size of God. He's telling them how big God is. He's saying, man, are, are you not the ruler of the heavens? Because I know this is a big deal because we're, where are we focused right now? We're focused on the news. And what is the news? It's negative right now. I mean, we're seeing the death and the infected numbers. They're rising every day. The, the projected numbers are astronomical. The unemployment rate is rising every day. We don't know when our kids can go back to school. We don't know when sports are going to come back. And that's just the news. That's just the news. The fact that our marriages might still be falling apart, our finances are going away, our kids are at home, we're all going crazy. If we focus on the problem, we will be paralyzed with fear. We won't be able to move forward. But look what he reminds us. He says, are you not the ruler of the heavens? Are you not the ruler of the nation? He's saying heaven rules. The earth does not have the last word. God does. COVID does not have the last word. God does. The government does not have the last word. God does. Your divorce, your addiction, your unemployment does not have the last word. God does. And he says, power and might are in your hands. Nothing can stand against you. 
And y'all, he's just getting started. Look what he says in verse 7. Did you not, O our God, drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it to the descendants of Abraham, your friend, forever? Not only is he reminding them how big God is, he's reminding them of everything God has done. You see, when God freed Israel from Egypt, he gave them nation after nation to get them where they currently are. And he says, didn't, didn't that last forever? He says that timeline has not run out yet. That promise is still intact. And when we focus on God, we are reminded of the promises of God. And when I think about the promises of God, I'm reminded of what Jesus said in Matthew 28. Right before he goes up into heaven, he says, surely I am with you until the end of the age. Now, I know this age hasn't run out, so I know that Jesus is with me. And when I know that Jesus is with me, I'm reminded of Romans 8 when it says, if God is for us, who could ever stop us? Who could ever be against us? And that's a truth that will get us through this crisis. Because listen, COVID is just the crisis of 2020. Harvey was the crisis for Houston in 2017. 9-11 was the crisis in 2001. Our situations change, but God does not. And that's something that we can rest in when we focus on God and not our problem. He keeps going in verse 10. It says, but now, He's like, I'm, I'm reminding us of here, but listen, here's what's going on. But now here are men from Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, whose territory you would not allow Israel to invade when they came from Egypt. He's saying, we could have destroyed these guys a long time ago, but God, we didn't do that. So they turned away from them and did not destroy them. He's saying how messed up the situation is now. He says, see how they are repaying us by coming to drive us out of the possession you, God, gave us as an inheritance? He says, oh God, will you, or our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. This verse leads us to our third action point that we need to take in the midst of fear. It says, admit your inability. Just admit that we're powerless at times. I mean, do you feel powerless right now? I know I do. Have you ever felt it in a time of your life? I know parents have. You ever held a uh, screaming infant before? You will know the, the term powerless, and that verse 12 will be on a loop. Oh God, I don't know what to do. I'm afraid. Please, Lord, our eyes are on you because this demon child is wrecking my life right now. Just kidding, kind of. But listen, we, are, we feel powerless. You know, and, and we're, we're Americans, right? We don't like to feel powerless. We like to feel in control. But we don't know when, when the world's going to open back up. We don't know what, what it's going to look like. And so just to admit that we can't control it is a huge step in getting us through what we're going through. Now, if you're watching on your TV or watching on your computer, but you got your phone out or your iPad and you're, you're killing it on Candy Crush, here's what I want you to do. Put that down for a second. Stop cooking for a second. And look, look at this, because this next verse that I'm going to share with you will change the game. It changes everything because God... Here's Japhat's prayer, and now he's about to respond. Look what he says. He said, listen, King Jehoshaphat and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of blank, COVID, rocky marriage, whatever you're going through. God says, do not be afraid. Why? For the battle is not yours. It's God's. 
The battle is not yours. It's God. So you need to highlight this verse in your Bible app, write it down on a card, put it where you're going to see it all the time. Right now, it's probably the refrigerator. Memorize this verse because this verse changes the game because God is, is assuring them. And what's the first thing that he tells them? Relax. Relax. Now, when we hear that, that might, you know, turn on a response of, what? Do you know what's going on right now? I mean, have you ever been going through something? Like something that's tense, something emotional, something that's very personal and it brings anxiety on you? And somebody hits you with a, man, just relax, calm down. You give them a look that could cripple their soul and you say, what? I'm sorry, what did you just say to me? Do you know my world? Do you want to see my pain? Do you want to see the oceans that I've built with my tears? Like, don't say that to me. Now, I get that. But here's why we can take comfort when God tells us that. Because of this right here. For the battle is not yours, but God's. You see, when we're, fe when we're facing fear and anxiety and exhaustion and worry, it's because we're fighting a battle that we have no place fighting. And I get it. It's natural. I mean, we're fixers. We want to fix stuff. We want to fix what the problem is. We want to fix our marriage. We want to fix our job. We want to fix our kids. We want to fix whoever we're with. But the problem is we can't fix them because we can't even fix ourselves. And so God says, listen, 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 stop what you're doing. Stop laboring and all that. It's not your battle. Let me fight it. The battle is not yours. It's God's. You can take comfort in that. And God keeps talking to him in verse 17. He says, but you will not even need to fight. They've got this army's coming. He's saying, you don't even need to fight. Take your positions, then stand still and watch the Lord's victory. Didn't we just sing that song? I'm going to see a victory. This is this, this is this story. Look what it says. He is with you, O people of Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid or discouraged. Go out against them tomorrow, for the Lord is with you. And look at their response in verse 18. Then King Jehoshaphat bowed low with his face to the ground, and all the people of Judah and Jerusalem did the same worshiping the Lord. Now here's the deal. We're reading these verses and we're hearing what God says. Anytime you're reading scripture, anytime you're reading the Bible, you want to look for things that are repeated. And we've heard God repeat a few things so far. The first thing that he's repeating to them, he's trying to assure them, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be anxious. I know it's scary. It's a scary world, but you don't have to experience that fear. You don't have to be afraid. You don't have to experience that emotion. Here's why. Because God is with you. He repeats that. He told them that numerous times in that verse. God is with you. The power of presence is such an incredible thing. You hear people saying it all the time, even just to strangers on the street, we're in this together. We're in this together. We say it at the bridge with our small groups. Life is better together. Why? There's a sense of peace that comes along with community. Now imagine community with God in the peace that we can experience. And you know what the result was? What did they do in 18? They worshiped. When they heard God speak, they just bowed low to the ground and they worshiped him. They told him that he was worthy. They praised him, that he was awesome, that he was great. So I want to encourage you today, get somewhere and worship. Find somewhere to worship, to just praise God, to thank God, to tell him how awesome he is. If you want to do that by singing, then sing. If you want to do that by praying, pray and telling God how awesome he is. Worship by praying. If you want to go serve somebody in worship, man, go serve. But find some way today that you can worship God. Because now we see the scene and Japheth's got his army and 
He's about to, you know, he's listening to the instructions of God and he's about to go march out and face these, these three armies that are trying to annihilate them. And he kind of gives them that pre-battle speech, right? He's looking at his military here and he's about to give them that pre-battle speech, which I love these in movies, right? In Braveheart, we've got that, you will never take our freedom, you know, or in Gladiator when he's like, what we do in life echoes in eternity. The, the, the best pre-battle speeches are in British accents, you know, if my friends from England are watching, we love you. But it, this is Jehoshaphat's pre-battle, pre-battle speech. Look what he tells them. He says, listen to me, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God and you will be able to what? Stand firm. Believe in his prophets and you will succeed. What's something that we want to experience in a time of crisis, in a time of fear? We want stability and we want to see a win. We do want to see a victory. And here's how we do that. He says, you trust in the Lord, trust in the character of God, and you trust in the word of God. Man, God spent years through different people putting together his word so that we can hear his promises, that we can see his character, that we can see what all he's done. You see, when we admit our inability, we start focusing on God. We see how big God and how powerful he is and how he really is the only option. And Joseph is saying, man, when you believe in the character of God, when you believe in the word of God, man, you, your fear will disappear like that. And here's the practical way to do that. It's our fourth step in how to get through what we're going through. Thank God in advance. Thank God in advance. And this is how this plays out in Jehoshaphat's story. Look what, look what he does. He says, after consulting the people, the king appointed the who? The singers to walk ahead of the army, singing to the Lord, praising him for his holy splendor. This is what they sang. Give thanks to the Lord. His faithful love endures forever. So picture this scene. You've got your army out here. You know you're about to go against three to one odds. And you're just, you know, hoping that God's going to show up. And you got Jehoshaphat giving his pre-battle speech. He's like, hey, we're going to win this battle. Yeah, we're trusting in the Lord. Yeah, choir, you're on the front lines. What? Like, are you crazy putting the choir on the front lines? We've got a big battle to win. But what Japhat is saying, he says, no, listen, we are thanking God for what he's going to do. When was the last time you thanked God for what he was going to do? I know we thank God for what he's done. That's called gratitude. But when we thank God for what he's going to do, that's called faith. Because we're trusting that he's going to do what he's promised. We are handing off our problems. Now, I'm going to be real with you all right here. I miss sports. I miss it. I love sports. Tell me what sport you're missing the most right now. Because right now, it's kind of a normal time, whether it's a pandemic or not. I miss football. I miss football. And thank you, Shannon. Great throw. Uh, I miss it because, you know, it's, it's just a sport. We've still got like four months before we can even go. But I miss football. Now, even if you're not a football fan or even a sports fan, just track with me, okay? Because in a game of football, you got two teams on the field. you got the offense who's trying to score and the defense who's trying to stop them. Now, when the offense has the ball, they hike the ball to the quarterback. And the quarterback has the ball. Now, something interesting happens because the attention of the defense is now on the person who has the ball, which is the quarterback. And when he takes the ball, he's invited a problem because there's now 11 dudes who want to do something to him. They want to get him on the ground. They want to stop him. They want to hurt him. They don't want him to take the ball. And they're going to do whatever they can to get him on the ground. So the quarterback has the ball. 
But what he does is that he hands it off to the running back. Now the running back has the ball, and something interesting happens. The attention of everybody now, the attention of the enemy is now on the running back and no longer on the quarterback. Why? Because the quarterback has handed the ball off. The enemy now has to worry about the, who has the problem, the running back. So I think so many times we experience fear and worry and anxiety because we still have the ball. We refuse to let this ball. It's like, no, I was, I was born with this ball. Man, I was raised with this ball. I'm going to have this ball for the rest of my life. And God is just saying, hand the ball off. Hand it off. Give it to me. He said, no, this is mine. I can't. God, he's like, just give me the ball because the battle is mine. It's not yours. I don't know how to handle this crisis. Hand it off. I don't know how to handle losing my job. Hand it off. I don't know how to handle my broken marriage. Hand the ball off to God because we were not designed to fight this battle. God is. God fights those battles. And all we simply do is set the ball down. Let the enemy worry about who has the ball because God win those battles for us. And here's how the story ends. Because when, when they hand the ball off, you got this scene here where the choir's out front. They're singing praises to God. Thanks to God, His, His faithful love endures forever. They're, they're marching to go into battle. It says when they're singing, in that very moment, the armies, the enemy armies, turn on each other and kill each other. So that when the, the, the Judah army rolls up, all they see is a battlefield of dead armies. The battle's already been won before they showed up. And all they get to do now is go into that battlefield and take all the goods, take all the spoils, take all the resources. And you know what? It took them three days, three days to get all that stuff. The blessings of God in the midst of a crisis are overwhelming. God handed them the victory before they even got there. And all they got to do was experience the blessing of that crisis, of that fear. Now, I know what you might be thinking. Say, well, you know what? My, I didn't win my battle. Uh, the cancer came back. Uh, my marriage didn't make it. Uh, this, this happened. And, and I, don't see, I don't see the blessing. In fact, I'm more afraid now than I ever have been. I don't see the blessing. And listen, I understand that. I understand that very fresh because last Tuesday, my uncle, who was battling stage four cancer for over a year, he lost that battle and he passed away. And it's real easy for my natural reaction to just be sad and, and selfish and wanting him here with us to be healed and just, you know, asking the questions, why God? But I have to take a step back and look at the bigger picture. Because if I could see where my uncle was, if I could see who my uncle was with, the reality of that blessing far exceeds any kind of blessing he or I could experience here on earth. God is going to win because God is fighting and he's got an undefeated track record. So imagine, imagine we're in this pandemic or you're in whatever season that you're going through. Imagine living and responding how Jehoshaphat responded, where instead of turning to something else, you turn to God. Instead of focusing on your problem, you focus on God. You admit your inability and you let God know how powerful he is. And then you top it off by thanking him for what he's going to do. And we can do that in confidence. You know why? Because God is with you. He's with you and the power of that presence erases that fear just like that. Now, maybe you're watching today and you've never turned to God. You've never turned to God and you've, you've never trusted God. And I just wanna tell you, you can do that right here, right now before this video ends.
You, you, can, you can trust. It's not a difficult process. In fact, I'm going to just kind of lead us in a prayer. And if you want to repeat it or, or kind of make it your own, that's fine. But just it's the trust in your heart of just lay, laying your life over to Jesus. Let's pray. God, I'm a sinner. God, my past has, has got me in a, in a state of fear that I can't escape. I can't seem to get away from my problems. God, I'm choosing to trust in you. I'm trusting in what you did on the cross for my sin, for my life. God, I'm handing my life over to you. God, thank you for saving me. Jesus, I just pray for everybody watching this and listening to this, God, that you would just give them comfort. God, that you would give them peace in a time like this. God, that we would have the boldness and the courage to turn to you, to focus on you, to admit that, that we don't have any power. And God, thank you for what you're going to do. God, thank you for what you're going to do in 2020 and 2021. God, thank you for how you're going to show us that you've already won the battle. God, help us to find comfort and peace in that moment. Jesus, thank you for loving us. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen.